Hey guys, how's it going? Lone Salesman here, and I know it's been a long time. It's been a very busy couple of months, but now I want to do a new episode for you guys talking about what it's like and how it's been living in Tokyo for the past six months, and also talk about some games I've been playing, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about some TV and movies we've been watching. Without further ado, let's get into it. Now, first, I want to talk about living in Tokyo for six months. Man, oh man, has it been a trip. I don't know if you knew this before, but basically I was living in a different part of Japan, a very uh, rural countryside part. Uh, I won't say specifically where. Basically, it's just in the uh, Kyushu region, so uh, somewhere uh, near Nagasaki. And it was very quaint. Not too bad. If I really wanted to travel somewhere, there was something maybe an hour or two away. I could go to a new town or city with plenty of stuff. Same thing if I wanted to go to the city in Fukuoka. Wasn't too far. Nagasaki. Whatever. The food. The people. Very nice. Very great food. Everyone's very friendly. And uh, most people are surprised to see a foreigner or uh, American, for that matter, in, in their town. So... Many people would always ask, hey, oh, what brought you here? Why are you here in Japan? Uh, how long have you been here? Stuff like that. People always ask those kind of questions. So, I've been to Tokyo a few times. Sometimes just for travel, some for business. And uh, usually the experience is about the same. It's overcrowded places, overpriced food. I still have fun here and there, but it always was kind of a huge hassle for me going from different places and whatnot so when i told my wife about moving she was like really you're moving to tokyo that's completely other side of japan and you know her family was down there so uh it was a big decision for us but inevitably what it was is um i had to take this new job and it required me to move after a certain amount of time so I decided to take it and we moved. First few months we were getting our feet planted and it was a little difficult to figure out, okay, like what train stations do I go to? This is like my path to go to work or how we just go in places in general. But really it wasn't that hard because uh, if you're using an app like uh, Hyperia or uh, Google Maps, it pretty much tells you the different trains, the stations you have to go to platform the timing so you could even set the timing so let's just say oh i plan on leaving at this time so what time do i have to go to get on the train and it'll kind of do all that for you so where i live it's kind of uh in the northern part of tokyo and i have to do a transfer to go to work there's a main um station uh nipori where basically i can transfer to just about any line i want to whether it's Metro or uh, JR. The biggest thing I was fearing was the big morning and evening rush, which basically is us crammed together or myself crammed into this train car with a bunch of people I don't know. We're during a pandemic where everyone may or may not have COVID, asymptomatic symptoms. So I didn't know who had COVID or not. But the good thing is that everyone's wearing masks, um, despite what's going on in different countries, you know, 
Everyone here in Japan usually wears masks on the trains anyway, especially around this type of season where there's uh, the hay fever or during flu season. Nobody wants to get sick or they don't want to get other people sick. So it's kind of the norm here. The other good thing was the trains and buses. Everything is uh, has air conditioning. So if you're standing somewhere in the middle and I'm super tall, so I'm like my head's like right near the vents or, or my neck. So that stuff's always like blasting right directly on me. Now, uh, the trains do abruptly stop sometimes, so you do have to really hold on to something or else you'll go flying. So uh, there's a few times where I, I, I almost fell. <laughs> so that's a big beginner's uh, mistake is thinking you don't have to hold on to something, but trust me, you probably should. Transportation, right. So the trains is exactly what you thought it'd be, stuffed and full of people. But what were the people like? Well, I see so many different types of people. I, I tell you, everyone's a character. Um, you might see the normal businessman. You might see someone dressed up in steampunk with a guitar. You might see a girl with a shirt. I, I saw one girl with a shirt with a stick figure throwing a swastika in the trash can. Uh, the fashion here is all over the place. And it's always interesting to see people. Uh, even then, one time while I was walking home past the pachinko parlor, I see an old man wearing a vest and uh, dress pants, kind of like a suit holding a baseball bat at the coin exchange where people exchange the coins to uh, for their pachinko for cash. So, yeah, there's so many different types of people. And uh, everyone kind of just minds their own business for the most part. And normally people won't go out of their way to bother you or or get in your way. They they may or may not say sumimasen or excuse me when they're moving past you. Uh, that's one thing I have a gripe with is getting on the train's People will push you and not say anything and expect you to move. Not exactly something I like, um, especially if I'm in a bad mood. You know, I definitely don't want to move or be pushed by a stranger. But sometimes it's easier to just go with the flow. So uh, I'm I would say the train systems and everything. It's super convenient. They are usually like two or five minutes apart from each other. So if you miss a train, really, there's no reason to run for it unless you're really on a tight schedule. They come so often and they're all the next train is probably going to be as packed as the other one. So there's no point in really like rushing to that train or waiting either way. Um, you're probably going to get the same result depending on the time. So one thing I did was I downloaded an app on my phone, basically an IC car that uses NFC signal. Pretty much scan the uh, your phone ticket system, and then it'll charge your card or whatever balance you put on there. Really convenient. However, uh, it does add up, so it would be probably better if you're using the train every day to get a commuter pass. However, uh, those also are limited to the stations you traverse to, so you have to pick a endpoint, the start point and endpoint. So it's not like you can just go anywhere for free. Travel-wise, there's so many different parts of Tokyo. Just to name a few, we've gone from Shinjuku, Ebisu, Koyosu area, Odaiba, uh, all these different places. They all have their own little uh, kind of, or shit, even Harajuku. Every spot is so unique and has something for everyone. Of course, I've been to a lot of these places before, but now that I've actually like live in Tokyo, it's I have way more time to spend in these different parts of uh, Tokyo. So it's not like I only have to spend an hour or two. Now I can spend like the whole day and kind of see what's going on. And I tell you, every time we go somewhere, there's always something going on. 
Like we just went to Sky Tree the other uh, week, and we didn't even go to the Sky Tree. We were just going to a nearby park, and there was tons of people playing in this little river. And at the mall they had, they had a uh, street performers and everything. They had a nice uh, burger place. Everyone was just relaxing. It was a really nice area. Another time when we went to Ebisu, they were doing this huge Hawaiian festival at this uh, the mall, the main mall, the palace, or I can't remember the name. They had a Tesla car out there. It's like we didn't really plan for any of this stuff, but really, if you go on a weekend, you're bound to run into something. Odaiba is so fun to go to, especially if you're a huge Gundam fan. Of course, you see the big unicorn Gundam. We've gone during the nighttime and daytime. Even driving around, you could see that beautiful rainbow bridge light up. Uh, it was really fun. I went with some of my friends, uh, DNZ, Zoe, and um, I've also gone with the family. Like, all in all, I'll say, like, Tokyo's been a fairly positive experience. Now, speaking of the people, going back to that, there are some strange people, and there are some people who may or may not get in your face, or, uh, like, we went to go see uh, Thor... Uh, Love and Thunder, and we were just kind of standing around, and this guy's like, hey, you guys want to go to a strip club? I'm like, you know, <laughs> my friend was a little bit more angry than I was, but I was like, look, man, you know, we're, we're not trying to go. I, I got a family. I'm trying to go home. It's like, it's Sunday, you know? Uh, other times, you might see homeless people. They they may or may not bother you. Usually, they stick to themselves, but if you're in the city, they tend to get a little ballsy. Uh, yeah, it's... There's, there's a lot of people on the streets who are trying to sell you something or tell you to go somewhere, uh, especially in Shinjuku or some of the downtown areas. So just be careful. They're not too aggressive, so it's easy to kind of push them off uh, or whatever. But um, like I said, yeah, you wherever you go, there's something for everyone. Even Ginza. When I was walking around the Ginza area, there was so many like nice shops, high-end areas, super nice. It's just nice to even just walk around. Nihonbashi area too. I was over there watching uh, the Batman. So all in all, I'd say that, yeah, again, living in Tokyo is a very positive experience. When it comes to housing, you have to be very careful because you pick some areas, they're going to be expensive. And even the places that are not expensive, they may be too far away from you to commute from. So it really depends on what you're looking for. If you have a family, you know, you're going to want a space. So Chances are you're probably going to have to live a little bit farther out than you want to. If you're single and you like being in central area, then you could probably get a cheap apartment, but you're not going to get too many, too much space. So I've seen people do both. Me personally, I like having a good mix of both. I like having the space, but I also like having convenience. So I'll sacrifice a little space if I can get to work faster or have more access to go to places. We live right next to uh, Ueno. Well, not too far from Ueno, but like it's a very quick trip. And uh, the big shopping street, the big shopping street in Ueno, Ameoko, awesome place to walk around. There's so many shops and so many cool things to see there. And of course, they uh, if you go a little bit north, they have some malls. I think, like I said, we went to some random mall when we were walking around Ameoko. And we kept heading north, and we ran into this big, like, panda-like festival or some sort. I don't know what the hell it was for. I think it was uh, during Golden Week, I think. So there was, like, people singing. There was, like, vendors out there. It was awesome. Really, I think anyone could live here. I mean, if you don't like 
if you have super like personal space issues or you don't like the bustling city, then maybe it's not for you. Um, there's a lot of exchange programs and jobs out here in, in the country as well. Uh, if you're working on a military base, you know, you have a good chance to live outside the city. So it really depends on your preference. Now, for me, I think overall, I like living here better. There's just so much more uh, accessibility to different things. Now, I do miss the country sometimes. I do miss my old uh, area I used to live in, but I'm willing to sacrifice that for what we have now. The biggest convenience, um, biggest downsides are mostly uh, personal when it comes to uh, our family here being farther away from them, but it's kind of a uh, shogunai or can't be helped. Moving on, since I mentioned Thor Love and Thunder, let me talk a little bit quickly about some recent Marvel movies and shows I've watched. Now, uh, if you're not living under a rock, you know that Marvel's still pumping out these TV shows. They're still pumping out these movies. I really, uh, last episode, I wanted to cover uh, Doctor Strange. However, I kind of been putting this off more and more, so I didn't get a chance to talk about it. It's already streaming, so kind of missed my chance to talk about it, as well as with Spider-Man. But I think everyone's seen Spider-Man. Uh, maybe not everyone's seen Doctor Strange yet, so just to cover that real quickly... There's a big twist in the movie. If you don't know already, or if it hasn't been spoiled to you, uh, great. If not, then you kind of know what happened. Um, with Sam Raimi directing, there is a lot of promise to go forward with it. But then again, it is also a Marvel movie, so it is not going to be as wacky and crazy as like a movie like Army of Darkness. And it's not quite on the same caliber as I'd say Spider-Man 2. I think that movie holds up a little bit more than Doctor Strange. If you had the two movies uh, side by side, I'd probably go watch Spider-Man 2. But if over the original Spider-Man, I'd probably watch Doctor Strange. Multiverse of Madness. Uh, there's just a lot of cool things in there, and honestly, I haven't gotten a chance to rewatch it yet, but I think I'd like to go back in just to revisit kind of like the worlds and all the things that were going on Especially when he meets the um, spoilers, he meets a well. I won't go too much into it, but he meets a group of individuals with some familiar characters, and that whole uh, interaction with uh, Scarlet Witch is very great. It honestly made the whole movie for me, and it opened up uh, the world of uh, possibilities later on. So I think if you haven't watched Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness and want to see the direction that Marvel's going in. Definitely give it a watch. Next, I also want to mention um, Batman. Um, I know this has been out for a while, but I really love this movie. It was long. It was like a classic noir, crime thriller. A lot of familiar characters. It takes it slow. It takes it in a direction we kind of haven't seen, but have seen in the past. I really thought that Robert Pattinson would have made a good like Batman Beyond versus a regular Batman. But I think him as the Batman in this universe is really interesting, the way they do his character. It's like, okay, right now, he, right off the bat, he starts as a violent, kind of an asshole, and um, he's kind of doing it for his own personal gains. Doesn't really care about saving people. I mean, that's more or less the kind of... Uh, he's, yeah, he's willing to save people, but that's not his real goal. He's real, he, Like he said, he's vengeance. He wants to take his anger out on these thugs and criminals on the streets and uh without giving too much away 
um, you know, he has that real arc where he decides what his true motivations are as a as a hero or as a or as, as the Batman. And um, like I said too uh, about Doctor Strange, if you haven't seen the Batman or you've just heard of it, definitely go watch it. It's on probably streaming now. I think it's better on streaming since it's such a long film that you can kind of pause it or watch it in uh, short takes if you don't have so much time. Uh, not everyone has time to sit, sit down for a three-hour movie. Actually, when I got it, I had gotten my uh, booster shot for COVID, so um, I had the day off afterwards, so I went to go see uh, The Batman since I had the time. Between those two movies, though... Um, it's almost like Marvel took a page out of DC where it's like, okay, we're doing a little bit more darker take on the story. Uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness was not like a Marvel movie I'd expect. Like, I would say it's on the same uh, level as uh, Infinity War Endgame, as uh, as dark as it gets, or at least the themes that happen. A lot of cool like visual stuff that happens in that movie. I think one thing that kind of overshadows that, though, is um, if you've seen the Marvel What If TV show, the episode about Doctor Strange in particular, that one is probably one of the best like visual in, um, incarnations of Doctor Strange. Now, I'm not a huge like Marvel buff. I don't know everything. I'm just kind of commenting on what I've seen so far. But, you know, it how far that goes versus how the movie goes uh, is way beyond uh, in the what if, but that's what kind of what it's for, right? The what if is kind of the extreme possibilities that we want to see, but it's hard to say because some of these things in what if do happen in the movies. So what they're trying to say is that mm, it's somewhat Canon, I guess that they're doing these things. Uh, they're just, in these different universes. And I think like the movie Spider-Man for, for example, uh, just kind of raised people's expectations now uh, pulling in. I mean, I think Spider-Man's a little enough to talk about really, um, but pulling in Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, it's unheard of or unthought of to see three incarnations of Spider-Man. We have all known and grown up with or seen in, in, in cinema and um, it was really just fun to see them interacting with each other and even seeing the villains interact with each other was just hilarious. So when people came to go see Doctor Strange, I feel like their expectations were more so how many cameos can we see versus what we can get for a story. And for the story aspect, I think the stuff with America Chavez is could have been a little bit better. I didn't mind her. She's played a good character, but... uh. I wasn't really what I was interested in. I was more interested in Scarlet Witch and um even Doctor Strange like he had his arc as well, but really it was the Scarlet Witch movie for me that made it, that made it interesting. A lot of like crazy scenes were planned. I think it's definitely worth watching if you haven't seen it. I don't think it's good for kids particularly, but for young adults, I think uh and above definitely. Now we just saw Thor Love and Thunder and another movie that kind of got mixed reviews just like uh, Doctor Strange and I can kind of see why uh, Chris Hemsworth is 
a very funny actor, along with the other cast. Uh, Natalie Portman even kind of has some funny scenes. That was kind of to the movie's downfall, because you had someone like uh, Christian Bale. You had Christian Bale, he was a very serious role. Whenever he was on screen, the movie's tone just completely changed. Like Every other scene was funny, witty, sarcastic, uh, especially in the beginning. And then when Christian Bale comes in as the, the God Eater, you know, very serious, very dark. Uh, he's kind of taking some pages out of American Psycho, where he just plays a complete sociopath slash uh, trying to justify his actions. He's just totally unhinged, and it's great to see him. And it, sometimes it's a little goofy, but uh, it's like almost if uh, Christian Bale played uh, Smeagol or something, but but he's like a, compl- a freaking murderer. It, it, it's it's really awesome, and and even Chris uh, Chris Hemsworth makes fun of him a few times when they're fighting. They have this witty stuff, but uh, the ending man just ticks. I think the ending is probably one of the most powerful uh, scenes at the end. It just really takes it into a completely different like direction than what you expected. Like I wasn't sure, and even my friend uh, he he wasn't sure where it was going either, but. After the the aftermath of it was uh, really interesting and a lot of fun scenes. I mean, if you don't like um, ad-libbing or kind of the sarcastic humor that sometimes even Guardians can have, then you might not like it. But if you're a fan of those types of um, ad-libbing and kind of fun, they they kind of have a lot of fun with this movie. And it's not a it's weird because there's a lot of crazy serious scenes that children get kidnapped, but it's also plays as a joke almost. So it's really weird how they handled it. Uh, There's even this stupid gag with these stupid goats. Like I I got kind of tired of seeing them, but it it almost makes you smile because it's just so stupid. It's like, really? (laughs) So, I mean, I think if you kind of go in there with an open mind and don't expect some, serious drama i think you'll have fun with it but um they do the source material pretty well and um like i said chris hemsworth is just he's great born to play that role for sure i would say it's a good movie to go see with friends in the in the theaters if you don't if you're not afraid of covid or if you're wearing masks or whatever taking the precautions um i think it's worth to see in the theaters for sure just to get that crowd reaction to um we in japan they're very quiet so you're not always going to get that lively uh, theater. Uh, when I went to go see Spider-Man on the military base, oh man, people were going nuts. They were screaming, going crazy over it. It, it, it was fun. It was funny. It was even funny because a kid was crying when, at the end, Toby gets stabbed by a green goblin. <laughs> a kid was fucking crying, but obviously Toby's fine. But yeah, sometimes those theater crowds, man, I really miss bad experience and uh here in japan you won't get much out of people really uh they're very quiet and they don't want to interrupt anyone or disturb anyone so it's um be kind of boring not getting that theory or going experience more or less just watching it with a bunch of strangers which is fine if you have a good group of friends we were joking saying stuff sometimes uh very quietly so no one else could hear us but uh, it made the movie better for me. Like I, 
don't think I would have enjoyed it watching it by myself versus with my friends. Or uh, I would watch it with my, my wife, but uh, with the kid, it's kind of hard to take her as well. So lastly, I want to talk a little bit about some uh, TV shows uh, I've been watching. The main show I've been watching that I've really been keeping up with, there's a few shows, but I'll only focus on a few. Uh, one show that I got finished watching was uh, called Snowpiercer, which was uh, a British show about, um, if you're familiar with the movie, it kind of picks up on that same premise where it's like the poor people, there's this train uh, traveling around the world, the world's frozen over, and there's no survivors, all the survivors are on this train. Basically, it's like a classism you have this rich guy, Mr. Wilford, who created this train system. The rich um, have the best uh, train cars. The middle class get uh, kind of they're the working class of the train, and they're kind of they kind of have a nice system. And then the the poor people who kind of raided the train and got on without tickets, they're all the way in the back. It's fully complete. There's about I think it's four or five seasons. And it's a great series that expands on the story so far and with so many great characters. If you haven't watched it or if you already kind of like the Snowpiercer uh, movie and you wanted to see more of that, then I think it's a great show for sure. I won't say too much because there's a lot that happens. I won't say anything much about the show because the first and second season, there's a lot that's kind of revealed that kind of uh unwind everything so definitely give it a watch if you have uh time next i'll talk a little bit about the marvel shows i've seen and i'll leave the last one to the show that i really want to talk about talking about uh moon knight uh we'll talk about that since that's been out a little bit longer and then we'll talk a little bit about uh miss marvel for doctor strange wandavision you didn't have to watch it to watch Doctor Strange, but it probably would have helped a little bit more, but some people say it ruins it, because WandaVision has a great ending, kind of, and then Doctor Strange kind of ruins it a little bit, because she kind of, after all that, she kind of goes back and does all this stuff. Um, there's a little bit of a teetering of what they should have done, but it's kind of hard, because they're taking a lot of chances with these shows, especially like a show like Moon Knight, where um, I watched it with my wife, and she kind of had a hard time following it. Um, even, you know, it was in English with Japanese subtitles. And uh, there's some times where she kind of didn't know what was going on. The split personality thing, the stuff with the Egyptian gods. Um, so you could kind of pick up on that. But uh, that show took a lot of chances of probably being one of the more, again, another darker um, Marvel show adaptation. I mean, Moon Knight. But it's also pretty funny, too. And uh, a lot of people didn't quite follow or, or like it. But um, I think if you haven't watched it, you should definitely give it a chance now that it's fully complete. It, the effects and everything, like the action scenes, the, the drama, the mystery towards everything, it really all like kind of does a great job of wrapping everything up, especially towards the end. It leaves you kind of wanting more. Especially, um, same thing with Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel, both they both take these cultural things. Moon Knight goes a lot of, into like the Egyptian stuff. It goes into kind of what's going on with that. They go to Egypt. They explore the lore and 
mysteries of everything. And you go to Miss Marvel, where they're talking about Islam, they're talking about Pakistan, the, the, what, what had happened with India uh, and the, the British, uh, how the segregation happened between India and Pakistan, uh, the Muslims and the uh, Hindu. You know, it, there's a, so much going on that uh, I think it's pretty big for a show, especially like a Marvel show, when you go from something like um, WandaVision or Hawkeye, you know, the, they're both, well, at least Hawkeye. Hawkeye was a very tongue-in-cheek show. Very fun, like, to watch around the holidays. Uh, but there wasn't too much deep meaning to it. I mean, there was some. It, it was kind of more like, you know, his balance between being an Avenger and being a family man. And then you have this new um, student. It's like, do I put them in the same danger that I uh, put myself in? Is she ready for this? Uh, same thing kind of happens with Miss Marvel, where she's given these powers, but at the same time, it's like she has this dark past, or not dark past, but she has this past with her family that's very complex, and uh, as soon as she learns more and more about it, the more uh, danger she kind of gets herself into. Damage control people come back, so they're dealing with the government, uh, trying to intervene and take care of these um, superheroes that shouldn't be out and about. They both have very like when we're talking about Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, they're both two completely different shows. Miss Marvel is like stylized and looks beautiful. Um, especially the first couple episodes, they do a lot of visual like stuff to make it look very unique. Um, you'll see stuff going on with the backgrounds and uh stuff like like doodles are happening, like her doodles are coming to life. It's not quite everyone's aware of what this happening it's more so for the viewers to see it it's not like it's actually happening in the show but it's a great visual representation to show you what kind of like storytelling what's going on versus you have a moon knight show where it's more of a mystery you're not shown much what's going on actually most of the show um he's blacking out and then like there's this huge action scene that happens and then it's like jumping back and forth he's he's uh at one point he's in a field then he's in a car chase then next thing you know it, he kills a guy, and then, you know, and so on. So it's like, first you have a show that's not showing much, and then shows you more and more. Then you have a show that's showing you a lot, but not exactly telling you, you know, tells you what's going on in her mind, but it doesn't show you uh, as much what's happening with her family until later on. You're seeing everything from the main character's uh, perspective, which is great. Now... There are a few scenes with both Moon Knight, Miss Marvel. They have uh, a lot of exposition. Some stuff is explained in like later episodes. That's like kind of ruins it a little bit because it's a little bit too much explaining. But at the same time, that's just how they are. They have to set up these characters. They have to set up this story to make it all make sense. The big question is: Is it mandatory to watch these shows to watch the Marvel movies? And I will say, kind of. Because, as far as we know, Moon Knight, um, they're probably, like, all these shows are definitely going to be movies, or they're going to be integrated somehow. Look at WandaVision, look at Hawkeye. Hawkeye isn't as translatable, but you can see that these older actors are passing the torch to the younger actors, and kind of moving forward. And uh, you can kind of see it, what they're kind of trying to set up. The way these Marvel movies are doing it, they're just picking apart these little pieces and, and making it kind of their own thing for those uh, MCU 
But I think it's worth it. Like, if you have a Disney Plus subscription and you're not watching these shows, I mean, most of them are complete, right? Uh, Miss Marvel just completed. So I think they're pretty much good to watch. And I think it works better as an episodic because uh, watching them all at once, I think, would be tiring for, especially for me, um, seeing it all happen at once. It can be kind of tiring, uh, depending on the show, if you're not 100% into it. Like, for me, I wasn't completely into Miss Marvel until, like, later into the show, where I really liked where things were going. I didn't even watch it initially when it first came out, but uh, after the first few episodes, I started to kind of watch each one. I'll make a quick side note about uh, The Boys. The boys, if you haven't, if you're not already keeping up with the boys, I, I think you should because this third season just makes it even better than the second and then the first one. Like it, it, it's just awesome. Like the home, the guy who plays Homelander, he's just an excellent actor. You know, everyone's doing their part in this horrible world. It's a great show, man. Like honestly, all these superhero shows, it's like if you don't like Marvel and you don't like DC, uh. You know, watching The Boys is kind of like a huge satire, not only on superheroes, but also real-world events, especially this last season. They they make fun of so many, like, things. They make fun of the Pepsi commercial. They make fun of, uh, fucking, the, uh, imagine, uh, cringe-ass video from the pandemic. Like, those are just a few things. It, it it's just such good satire on on not only real life but also the superheroes. The boys is just it's too smart for its own good and it's it gets pretty freaking disgusting and crazy. So uh, if you're not into like kind of uh, dark humor or or uh, gore, then it might not be for you. But if you're like me that likes that kind of stuff, then you might like it. Lastly, I want to talk about a show. Now, everyone might may or may not be familiar with uh, Breaking Bad. I was a huge fan of the show. I've rewatched it quite a few times, and uh, I'm not here to quite talk about that, but I've been watching the show Better Call Saul. Now, if you haven't watched Breaking Bad, you can still watch Better Call Saul. Either way, and honestly, uh, by the end of this series, um, it may or may not be interesting to see it before or after, because they do have characters. So, Better Call Saul is a prequel to Breaking Bad. It's about this lawyer, uh, Saul Goodman, or uh, Jimmy McGill. It's about his life and how he became uh, Better Call Saul, or Saul Goodman. It's about how he became um, kind of a... He's like in the shadow of his brother, who's a famous lawyer, but also kind of sick. In the mind, he has this weird EMF uh, sensitivity he, he believes he has. And uh, Jimmy is kind of this regular lawyer, kind of down in the dumps, doesn't have much going for himself, working in the back of a nail salon, <laughs> and he's trying to be a lawyer. And um, meanwhile, his brother has this huge law firm. And you're wondering, well, if his brother has this huge law firm, then why isn't uh, he letting Jimmy in? Well, it's because Jimmy, um, he likes to cut corners. He's known to be a con man in the past, and so his brother's concerned if he's going to do that with the law, which he holds uh, dear dear to his heart. And there's some, some friction between the brothers, and that's what kind of um, helps him become Saul Goodman without giving too much away. This this evolution, I think, for, like, so when you're thinking, looking at 
Jimmy McGill, Saul Goodman versus Walter White. I think Saul or Jimmy has much better character arc, I'd say, because there's a lot more going on with his character and his side characters than what's going on with um, Walt. Walt. Now, one thing I'll say is with uh, Breaking Bad, Walter White, Jesse Pinkman is probably the one of the most stronger characters, I'd say, than both of the shows. Uh, Walter White, you kind of know where he's going, and uh, he doesn't change much. I mean, he does change from kind of where he is in the beginning, but you could kind of see that in him from the start, especially from the first season. You see him become... This this uh this monster and um uh, same thing with uh, Better Call Saul. It's like well, the difference between those two is that one has knows when to stop when the other doesn't, and uh, they both make mistakes. They both have consequences for their actions and the cause and effect thing loop of I, I love shows that like kind of deal with that. Where I mean, most shows and TV you know and movies all have that cause and effect, but really really goes into like what happens when you do this or what happens when this person gets involved when they weren't involved from this life from begin with so now breaking bad is uh over now better call saul has about five or six episodes left so i'm really excited to see where they ended off with um with breaking bad like i will say that like there are some minor things that i don't like um for example, his wife, his son, I think particularly his son isn't very fleshed out well in uh, Breaking Bad, but the show's really not about him. It's about Walter and Jesse. Uh, same with uh, Better Call Saul. It uh, has a lot more time to deal with not only uh, Jimmy, but a lot of the side characters like Mike, Nacho, uh, Nacho Varga, Kim Wexler. Um, it has time to deal with uh, Gus. He shows up eventually. Uh, Gus Fring, just all these characters and showing kind of what's going on in their lives or how how they got to where they are in Breaking Bad. So um, in that sense, it can kind of be a little weak sometimes or or uh, kind of limited because it has to work within the realm of Breaking Bad and they can't really go do too much outside of what happened. But that doesn't mean that it's not eventful at all. No, I mean, in this universe, like, Anything goes in Albuquerque, really. It's an amazing show, and I think it has a lot better writing for at least the characters, I'd say. A lot of the side characters, too, like, um, for example, Jimmy's brother, uh, Chuck, has his own little story, and then uh, his partner, lawyer, uh, Howard Hamlin, has a whole other like character arc to themselves as well. So you see all these characters evolve throughout the show, season one and then going forward whereas in breaking bad um yeah you do see changes with some of the side characters but some of them kind of stay uh flat like especially characters like maybe um jesse's friends or like uh skinny pete and badger they're kind of like the same character throughout the whole show uh same thing with uh it's hard to say because then you have characters like Hank and Marie, which both have their own crazy arc in Breaking Bad that make the show even better it- itself. So, highly recommend if you are not watching Better Call Saul, you're looking for something a little smart, a little bit more going on, then uh, definitely go for a show like that if you're not interested in maybe uh, the Marvel shows. The Marvel shows are good, but 
Um, I think I'd rather be watching uh, Better Call Saul or like a show like that than Marvel, especially with some of the drama going on. Uh, some people are saying the uh, the film industry has been really tough for them. Um, they're not getting paid, so it, it's a little it's a little hard to to know what you're watching and what what went into it to make it that way. So um, I could tell from the behind the scenes with like Breaking Bad or uh, Better Call Saul that. You know, they're having a lot of fun with this, and uh, it's just fun. looks like a fun project to work with, and all the actors like lo- like each other, so that that's a good start. Last thing I want to talk about here is a game called Symphony of War, the Nephilim Saga. Um, I might have fucked that up, but it's a war strategy game. It's uh, like a mix of Fire Emblem, uh, the same fighting. You have your units, and then you have Groups of people uh, stacked up with each other, so you might have like a stack of uh, nine soldiers in one unit, and they can be comprised of like archers, uh, dragons, soldiers, uh, heavily armored, cavalier, knights, you name it. Like they have so many different types, uh, gunners, cannons, uh, mages, uh, and um, basically you have the story, which is like a kind of like a Final Fantasy-esque like Final Fantasy 3 slash 6 story where you have the um, this huge epic tale about a war between nations. There's um, a lot going on as far as like your main character. Um, he's kind of the underdog. He's he's working for this uh, the, the Empire. What happens is you're on a mission and things go the wrong way and now you're out on your own. So it's this huge war game, and I, I won't spoil the story so much. There's these mystical elements that happen as well. Uh, the Nelephim are kind of like these uh, angels of uh, gods, kind of, that have their own unique powers that can kind of do crazy things. There's a, like, there's a fucking paladin lady who's, like, huge, tall, and, like, she can turn into a titan and, like, she just stomps on people. It's just, like, ridiculous. And, you know, the combat is, like, really fun because uh, I think what's the, the best fun part about it is the progression because uh, you can see, like, I think each unit, the way they start out, you can um, class them up, like, two or three times. So, like, for example, you have a regular handmaiden who's, like, a regular healer. She can turn into a priestess, or um, she can be on a horse, or she can be a uh, kind of like a paladin fighter. She's called like an acolyte, so she has like a hammer and armor. And then later she can turn into a paladin, which is like heavily armored, like good against magic, and uh, has armor and shit. And then you have like the Valkyries, they're on horses, they, they can attack and heal. Then you have uh, your, like, regular soldiers. They can turn into, like, a a knight. They can turn into, like, someone with a spear. Uh, later into, like, a samurai, which is, like, a spear-slash-bow uh, class. You have, like, sentinels, these huge armored class people. The soldiers. Uh, you have the gunners. And, and like, uh, even then with the rogues, they have... So they have, like, light, light classes, too. They have um, skirmishers. They have a uh, light horseback, kind of like scouts, horsebow people, raiders, um, basically a higher class uh, horsebow. 
um, thieves, people with like uh, daggers that can kind of go behind enemy lines and do like sneak attacks. And of course, and then you have like your rogues, which are like still long distance, but also uh, high high on skill. So the stats are like higher on dodging, basically. And then uh, that that's just like not even all of them. I haven't even mentioned all the classes. Like it's it's just so fun to like get your units and like kind of see the way they progress. And the battle system is fun too. It's kind of like based on it is based on stats for the most part, but it's also based on morale too. So like, for example, like, let's say you kill the leader of that enemy squadron, their morale is going to take a huge hit. So, um, that other team is going to do less damage or they might miss more, or they, uh, they might not, um, be able to counterattack you and be as powerful. And then later on, you can surrender that team. You don't have to like kill them. You can surrender them and take a bounty on them, get more gold and um, more stars or whatever, more tech uh, towards the end. So um, then there's a whole item system that like changes the stats of uh, your whole squadron. Uh, maybe, but the the counter thing is if you have more items, then you can put less. You it puts more capacity on your team, so you can't hire as many uh, soldiers within the squadron. So. Towards later the end game, I mean, you could have up to like nine people in one unit, or or uh, eight or six, depending on the size. Like uh, if you have dragons, they're a little bit larger, so you can't put like uh, nine people, but they count. They're they're pretty strong because they count for two people at least. So I had a lot of fun with this game. It was like thirty chapters. The replayability uh, value is there. Uh, not so much for the story, but for the combat and like the, the the challenge, I'd say just really fun to play these battles out and uh, they don't ever really get too boring and you can kind of take, of course you could take breaks and saving, um, but uh, they never felt too much um, with fire emblem. I kind of got tired like of doing the side activities and stuff. Like I'm on my third playthrough and I'm just kind of getting bored of doing the, in between, um, when you're in Garrick Mach, the main hub area, having to talk to people, having to do this and that, and you know, recruit—it's so tiresome. Um, I, I, I honestly prefer the uh, older games because it's very simple, just like this game. You had your menu, you know, you had—you uh, could class up people, you could uh, give them extra experience, whatever do an arena so this game has an arena so if you have lower level people you can kind of train them and get more uh books to either class them up or level them up so that was really great idea in my opinion because that way you're not having to put weaker units out in the battlefield and risk them dying uh they do have a permadeath mode um i did that my first time and uh it was pretty fun i did lose some people here and there but no one uh important i guess so it was kind of fun to see that happen and then say, oh shit, like I actually lost people. And sometimes they'd be units I actually used for a long time and other times they were kind of people I didn't really care about. So it was kind of fun. Uh, it's like, that's the only thing I don't like about Fire Emblem is because it's like you want to keep everyone alive because you know all these characters. So in this game, it's like you're more or less hiring like random soldiers. Uh, you do have main characters you want to keep. And they do have relationships and a bonding system. 
Uh, that could use some work, but overall, like, it's it's great, man. And that's another replayability value there is you can see uh, the different um, hook. Uh, you can hook up different people with each other. So there's some fun stuff to do there. This was actually gifted to me by Josh. I wasn't expecting to buy this game, but it's really fun. So if you like strategy games, definitely check this game out. But anyway, that's it for me. So today we talked about living in Tokyo, uh, some shows and movies we watched. And then we talked about uh, Symphony of War and Nelephim Saga. The developers seem to have more uh, happening. So happy to see more of that happen in the future. Anyway, uh, about the podcast, it's been kind of difficult for me to be consistent with this kind of thing. And I plan on working more with uh, Ohms on this. But uh, to be honest, with the kid and the and work, it's been kind of difficult to record these things in between. But I hope that if you enjoy these, that I can get these out more. I get these out more often. If you're interested, you know, hit me up on Twitter at the Lone Salesman or uh, check out our website, uh, Ohms Lounge at WordPress.com. We'll leave all the links in the description so you can see some of our other work. Anyway, until then, I'll see you guys next time. Bye.